You're listening to an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. I'm ready. I'm looking like a hero. Hello, I'm Mike Nikolich, DJ at Chirp Radio, and today I'm talking to Brian St. Clair, drummer with Triple Fast Action. Triple Fast Action just released a new 37-song collection of unreleased tracks recorded from the mid-90s. Brian, welcome to the Chirp Artist Interview Series. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I feel like a bad check, like a rubberneck. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I love that line. I've played played that song so many times. It's great. I'm ready, baby. Brian, you founded Triple Fast Action with Wes Kidd in the mid-90s in Chicago and went on to release a pair of great albums, Broadcaster and Cattleman Don't. 30 years later, you've released 37 unreleased tracks on the new Triple Fast Action double album. Give me a brief history of the band and tell me what inspired you to release these 37 tracks. Wes and I used to be in a band called Rights of the Accused, and I met Kevin Tiesta and Ronnie Schneider at a party in Naperville at a mutual friend's house. And Wes had talked to me about maybe starting something after uh, Rights of the Cues broke up. He wanted to start a new band. So we were looking for a bass player and a guitar player. And, you know, it just kind of fell in my lap one night at a party in, in Chicago. So Kevin and Ronnie used to be in a band called Wood, W-O-O-D. I guess that band broke up because Triple Fest formed. Honestly, I had never seen the band, so I don't know who else was in that band. But um, from the get-go, once we had the core group there, Wes started writing songs, and it was obvious that he had had a lot on the back burner that he didn't use for Rights of the Accused, just stuff that wouldn't fit. So we started immediately demoing that stuff, and through that, turned into just many, many more years of just recording, and then we got signed to Capitol. And so all these other songs got lost kind of in the shuffle when we signed with Capitol. Um, you know, you can only put so many songs on an album. Basically, what it came to was this, this collection. We found these master tapes in Ronnie's basement from the old days before Capitol. That, along with cassette demos that we did just live to tapes, it turned into this idea with Justin Wexler from Forge Again Records. Why don't we? put out something prior to all of our stuff while we while we try to get the rights to put out Broadcaster as a proper reissue. So this is kind of the segue between our two albums that we want to release with Forge Again Records, but it's such a long process trying to get those rights back from Capital, so we had to do something in the interim. Wow, that is quite a story. So you had these 37 tracks. So were they already in the bag by the time you signed on with Capital to do Broadcaster? Or were they just tracks that you were recording kind of concurrently with that? Uh, Both. So there were a lot of songs that we just kind of never really thought would fit with our first album because they were so old at that point. But, you know, songs like, uh, for instance, Sally Tree and Bird Again, those were written really early on, but we kind of held those off and knew that those were going to be album tracks. But then you got songs like I Am, and 
that we just kind of didn't feel like it fit with all the other songs we wanted to use for broadcasters. So that was put on the side and it was kind of just forgotten about until now. So when you reviewed this music and realized it might make sense to re-release this or to release it for the first time, how much work needed to be done to bring these songs up to spec so that they sounded good? Yeah, there was actually a lot that had to go into it because, you know, we were working off of cassette copies of songs because real to real tape was really expensive. And for a band like us starting out before we even had a label or any sort of money backing us, we had to buy all that tape ourselves. So we would record stuff, put it either on a DAT tape or a cassette, and then we would record over the tape again um, to maximize our uh, money that we were spending on all this stuff at our practice space. We had a little studio in there. So what happened was, you know, between our old manager, Dave Fry, and Ronnie's master tapes in the basement and stuff I had collected over the years, just kind of held on to and didn't toss, we had all this material. And basically what had to happen was the cassette tapes, we would have to have them properly mastered because, you know, there's some tape hiss in there that would have to be fixed. And Carl Saff over at the Saff Mastering Studio in Chicago, he got rid of that by EQing stuff. And the master reel-to-reel tapes had to be baked, uh, which is a process so that when you put that tape on, if it's really old and it's been like in a basement or something, if you just throw it on there and start up the tape, it could rip the tape. It could pull all the magnetic tape off one side and put it on the other, you know, that it was connected to. So they would have to be heated up in such a way so that it would loosen. And all that had that, it was a huge process. And I honestly didn't have any part of it. It was all these great Chicago guys that took care of all that stuff. But then we then took all those tapes to John and Yellow, who we knew from Broadcaster and Cattleman Don't. And, uh, you know, he he kind of brought these back to life. Uh, the real real tapes were in good enough shape where he just bounced all the different tracks down to digital tracks like stems, and then he was able to mix it at home. And this new album demonstrates what a tight outfit Triple Fast Action was. And I know the band had an influence both on Chicago and national bands like the Foo Fighters. So what led to the demise of this band? Well, I was moving to New York City and Triple Fast Action at one time with Capital, we were getting tour support. And for those that don't know what tour support is, the label would basically give us money on the side so we could live on the road. Um, because a band our size or a lot of new bands, they can't financially, you know, make it on the road with the guarantees they're making. So without that tour support at that point, because we went from Capital and then we went to Deep Elm Records, 
it was really tough. We would go on the road. We have to save up all this money working and we'd still have to be paying our rent and this and that. And we'd hit the road and we'd blow all that savings that we had and we'd come back broke. Now, our manager at the time was really generous. And a lot of times he would pay our rent or he would pay for this or that hotels. And it just kind of started building and this debt. And one day he just said, you guys, I'm never going to ask for this money back. It's a tax write-off for me. So don't worry about it. But that kind of always sat weird with me. And I just thought, guys, if we can't do this on our own, you know, we can't just keep on milking it from our manager. So I made the decision to leave the band. And uh, Wes basically said, you know, if, if you're not in the band, I don't want to continue. And I, I offered many times to show someone the ropes to take my place, but he just didn't have any interest. The story has a happy ending because everyone seemed to survive the breakup of the band. You ended up joining Local H and became a drum tech for Cheap Trick, while Wes went on to become a manager for artists like Cheap Trick and the Damwells. I also noticed that you were one of the Chicago Plastercasters produced by late Chicago visual artist Cynthia Plastercaster. Was she the subject of the song Small Amount? Wes and I knew Cynthia from our days working at Wax Tracks Records in Chicago. She would come in all the time and she was a fan of Rights the Accused and Triple Fast Action. But uh, before Triple Fast Action formed, she did approach me to cast me. And that was, uh, that was an experience in itself. And we don't need to go into that. But in any case, yeah. So Wes, Wes was basically name dropping everybody he knew in Chicago, like all the people we rubbed shoulders with um, in other bands, like the Veruca Salt Girls and um, you know, Fig Dish guys and John San Juan from Hush Drops, you know, all and just all of his friends, all of our friends. Nina can't fight the sea there, cause see there is neither. And Blake be near be quick. And Christian's time goes tick tock tick. I'm Mike Nicolich for Chirp Radio's Artist Interview Series, talking to Brian St. Clair of Triple Fast Action. Brian, it's been a real pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. This has been an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts.